Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Great form by you hitting play on this podcast. Now, check out Same Racer, the brand new racing app for Same Race multi-tips. Same Racer. Download from the App Store and Google Play. Powered by Bluebet. Gamble responsibly. Call 1-800-858-858. Here's some tips for maintaining your Trex deck. Um, occasionally wash it with some soapy water or a pressure cleaner. Trex composite decking is low maintenance and won't fade, splinter or warp. Trex, the world's number one decking brand. Polaris has shiploads of vehicles arriving every month. Visit your local Polaris dealer today. From behind the stumps to behind the mic, nothing gets past Smithy. This is Mornings with Ian Smith on SENZ. Yes, Marina, to you. Good morning, everybody, on this uh, Wednesday morning. Hugely busy for us and hugely topical. Uh, we have uh, an array of guests, a couple of team namings. It's been uh, exciting. And also, we're going to do something quite novel. We're going to get inside the Liverpool camp, who about uh, 50 minutes ago sounded and looked like it was going to be a very miserable camp. Uh, but they've got up with a magnificent second-half performance, which we'll talk more about throughout the show, uh, which means they are through. Uh, they have knocked over Villarreal and they will be through. So uh, thank goodness we'll be talking to some happy people out of Liverpool. Jared Cronin as well, uh, host of uh, Warriors Anonymous uh, on a new signing there. Uh, of course, Andrew Gordy and Kimberly Downs will be the panel this morning. Look forward to that. Uh, around at uh, 10.45, where we understand the Blackbirds squad announcement will take place. Uh, and we will have that for you as quickly as we can because, of course, it's very topical. Yes, Liverpool will be represented by the treasurer of their supporters club in New Zealand, Mr Peter Carroll. Uh, we'll have an around-the-world uh, headlines, as well as uh, a Bailey's Property of the Week to highlight as well. It is hugely busy, so let's get trucking along. Sport is our religion, and here is Smithy's Sermon. Well, yes, the Blackburn's naming today, probably about mid-morning. It will be interesting to look at Wayne Smith's first official squad compared to Glenn Moore's last one. Uh, how many of the, from the failed safari to the UK will have gone, for instance? Because the one thing that is pretty certain when you have a clean-out of administration, loyalty will go out the door with the first swish of the broom. The players, supported by the review panel, instituting a vast array of changes, have their turn in front of a man who is known for his ability to weed out very adeptly with a keen eye. He also hasn't got that long to get those on the fringe up to speed. He won't be wasting time on the doubtfuls or the question marks. And how about uh, the on-the-field captain that they name? I'm forecasting perhaps a change there. Uh, exactly who, I have no idea. I'm not privy to the inner sanctum, but it has to be assumed that judging by the scoreline and the ability to change tactics, in the heat of the battle, things weren't too good four times in a row. And where was the player's voice within the group if things fell apart so badly as we are now led to believe? Seldom before has there been a more interest in a squad naming for women's rugby. Watch the space, as they say. Meanwhile, the Black Caps have named a squad of 20 this morning to start the three-test tour of England. You'd be pretty depressed if you had high hopes and couldn't make the top 20, I reckon. That's to, to cater for the IPL contingent, some of who won't make the UK until the 11th hour or later. Eventually, that will be whittled down to 15, depending on injury. I'm sure Gary Stead, being the astute planner that he is, 
has got those bases covered many times, but if they are to stay in contention for the mace, winning on this tour is an absolute must, having fallen at the fence twice at home. All eyes too, of course, as always, on Captain Kane's troublesome elbow, which seems to be holding up all right in the IPL. Well, the Black Caps uh, have uh, officially been named this morning, uh, a lot earlier this morning, actually, uh, for the tour to England. They're going to play three test matches uh, against England at Lords, uh, at Trent Bridge and at Headingley. Incidentally, three grounds where New Zealand have won test matches in the past, and to be fair, haven't won that many in England in our history. Um, and one of the players uh, named this morning, it's not entirely a new uh, naming for him because he was part of the New Zealand extended squad for the two home test matches against South Africa, is uh, Cam Fletcher. Cam, uh, pleased to have you on the show this morning. First of all, congratulations. Uh, great news for you. Yeah, cheers, Smithy. Thanks for having me on, mate. Uh, yeah, pretty epic news. Um, getting to get in the um, chat with um, Gary Stead and, and finding out I'm going over there. So pretty stoked about it. Yeah, how about that? Eh? A, a test tour of England. Uh, I mean, way, way, way back, I can tell you that was high on the agenda of the preference list for a cricketer to be able to play at Lords, Trent Bridge, Headingley, or or just get there. You know, um, what about uh, these days? Is it still the same? Yeah, I mean. From my understanding, I've obviously haven't um, toured over there at all myself. I've been just playing club cricket over there. Um, but everyone talks about, everyone has talked about that it's you know the best tour to be on. Uh, so that's pretty exciting to hear. I mean, I guess just the thought of growing up, I guess hearing the hearing the name Lords um, has always been something that's pretty special. And and you always hope that maybe one day you know in that distant dream that you might get that opportunity. So. It's um, just the thought of potentially being there. Um, you know, hope, hopefully I'll get a game, but um, we'll see how it goes. But, yeah, the thought of that's pretty amazing. Well, I mean, you know, you have to keep a pretty open mind about that as well. Obviously, you, um, you know, uh, in your particular role uh, at the moment, um, you know, uh, you might have to be a, bit, a wee bit patient. But, you know, um, you know cricket, you know, well, it's only a, a, an awkward take, a broken finger, uh, a pulled hamstring, and... Uh, you know, you're basically in. So uh, it might not be that far away. You have to be on edge. Yeah, I guess that's the thing with playing cricket these days. You're always prepared and ready to go, and you're always training as if you're going to get that opportunity. Um, I guess similar in that South Africa series, um, I knew kind of roughly what my role was going to be there. And just to be able to, I guess, um, train alongside Tom Blundell and learn as much as we can off each other and, around how maybe we might need to adapt to certain conditions. Um, that's something that was awesome in that series, and I'm sure it'll be the same however however the team looks uh, over there. Love to find out a wee bit more uh, about you, Cam, and as our uh, listeners would as well. Obviously, as a new name in the side, uh, you started uh, your cricket with, uh, with the Northern Districts province, I understand, and then you made a decision to go to Christchurch. A lot of people either go to Christchurch or go away from Christchurch one way or the other. Uh, what was in that move? Yeah, I'm I, I, from Auckland initially. Um, I did all my age group cricket through Auckland. Um, and then I got the opportunity um, in the season where Pete McGlash and, um, retired and then PJ Watling was away a lot with the Black Caps. Um, so I got that chance to, to go down to Northern Districts and play there. It was, um, to be fair, a pretty stacked team at the time. I was, I was a young guy just... Um, 
yeah, looking, idolising all these guys, but it was an amazing experience. And then a couple of years later, Gary Stead actually um, was coaching Canterbury, and he gave me a call and said there was an opportunity to keep more regularly um, in the Canterbury side. So at the time, it just it felt like the the right thing to do. And I think looking back now, I think it definitely was. Okay, let's uh, let's look at um, how you ex- your experience you got out of. Uh, being around the camp, I know you worked, as you said, you worked with Tom Blundell a wee bit as well, but what about the Test Match vibe, the atmosphere about Test Cricket? What did you learn as opposed to maybe first-class cricket? Yeah, I mean, you can obviously tell as soon as you step foot into the training environment, uh, into into the Test Matches, that the intensity, the feel, the the buzz around everything is just that amped up a bit more. I mean, we get a little bit of, guess, experience with T20 cricket and domestically around a bit more, I guess, media around and things. But, I mean, in first-class cricket and Red Bull cricket, um, domestically you don't. Um, so I guess more resources around as well, more coaches, um, having guys there to help you out. Um, but, yeah, it, it, obviously the step up to that in terms of all the external stuff is a lot more. Um, but in terms of the, the cricket itself, it all stays the same. It's all... It's all simple. You're maybe a bit more self-sufficient in terms of driving what you're trying to work on and preparing yourself for the match. And that's what I probably found the most was going in there and seeing guys that were actually just taking a bit more ownership of their games and, and what they wanted to achieve. So within the squad, um, I, I know you've played a lot of first-class cricket, of course. Um, you've probably played in invitation teams, um, invitation 11s, etc. like that, but... How many of the bowlers that have been named in this 20 would you have not have spent too much time keeping to? I'm pretty sure I've um, had experience keeping to pretty much everyone at certain times, um, whether that's New Zealand A's, uh, first-class crickets. Obviously, like I said, I played some games at ND, so I got to keep to some of the Trent Bolts and, um, and Saudis and things. Um, I yeah, Probably Neil Wagner... Um, I last year before they went to the England tour, I got to keep a lot to him in net sessions um, out in the open wickets, but that's probably the only experience I've had with him. So it'll be quite interesting to see the way he goes about his bowling and the, maybe the different positioning and angles that I'd have to do to someone like him. Um, but a lot of the other guys I've had some kind of experience playing with. The other thing, of course, is uh, we don't play a lot of spinners at home in Test cricket. You you well know that fact. But um, in England, they tend to because the pitches are a little drier. They tend to do a little bit more, and spinning is part of their um, Test match makeup. Um, what about the spinners in our group? How much experience to the likes of Patel and Co? Yeah, you know, I haven't I haven't kept to Patel for a long period of time, but we actually spend quite a bit of time together in Auckland A's. Um, years ago um, so we kind of I guess got along quite well back then and he's obviously developed significantly as a bowler and as a person over the years he's a great man um, but I guess yeah I think that'll probably be something I'll try to do as much as I can is just just to watch try and look at the little cues and the actions and things like that and, and how the ball maybe purchases off, off wickets over there if, if there's pre, pre-tour games and um and in net trainings leading up to that. I uh, haven't kept a lot to Michael Bracer, but I've had a couple of um, experiences with New Zealand A, um, and same with Ratchan Ravindra. Um, so I guess the, the main thing really to them is just trying to pick up the cues and how, how they work the ball and their, their slight variations 
um, and then just seeing how that trying to read the wicket on, on the day. So you've had experience in English conditions. Uh, only I've, I've obviously I've been over there a few times for club cricket, but obviously that's um, a slightly different kettle of fish, really, in terms of the wickets and and the pace of the bowling, um, especially with spin, because obviously as when you get to domestic and above, the, the the pace that the spinners bowl is a lot quicker. Um, so being able to make those judgments of how quick the ball's going to turn or skid on. Um, so, yeah, I mean, only club cricket yet, really. One of the um, interesting things, um, people at home might uh, just think a cricket ball is a cricket ball, but uh, you and I know that a cricket ball is not a cricket ball uh, every time because a juke cricket ball is entirely different to a kookaburra cricket ball. Uh, and juke cricket balls are used in England. Now, uh, they tend to swing a lot more. They swing for longer, and they swing after they go past the batter bit. So that can be tricky. Yeah, I mean, I think over the years, um, I've watched some, a fair bit of YouTube clips of um, different guys um, getting bamboozled by um, the, the, the juke ball going past the bat. I guess, um, I think... Yeah, that's that's something because it's not easy to train for. Um, um, as you'd probably know, like it's not easy to train for. You almost just got to prepare yourself the best you can, knowing that when the ball moves, you've got to try and stay as still as possible, get yourself in line with the ball, um, and then be able to react to when that happens. Um, I think hopefully it doesn't happen when someone nicks one, um, but I think just that 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 ball ball after ball, just trying to be as still as possible. Yeah, it's interesting actually. Um, I could give you some advice on that. We, I had a chat to Brendan McCullum about that. Maybe you should speak to Brendan about it. But uh, he had terrible trouble the first time he kept over there, and he made a couple of adjust- adjustments. So, if you need any advice, I won't bore you with it now. But um, we could talk about it, or you could ask him anyway. But uh, it is very interesting uh, the adjustments you do have to make for that, and that's uh, why I asked about that. Because here's the the other thing. I mean, bowlers go to nets, they bowl. Batsmen go to nets, they bat. How do you simulate the keeping side of things in practice? Yeah, it, it is difficult to do. I mean, I'll, I'll try to keep to the bowlers when they're doing their warm-ups and things just to see how the ball's moving in the morning. Um, and I guess it's, it is actually hard to, to simulate the perf if you're hitting the ball off the face of the bat. You know, you can, you can, it's hard to get your timing perfect. Um, there's a few different... I picked up a few balls from Kookaburra um, that... Uh, and and some old baseballs and things like that that can move in the air. Um, so when you hit them off tennis rackets or you hit them off the face, they just do a little bit more. Um, so just trying to just trying little things like that that might just add a, add something slightly different to just the ball going straight. Um, and also there's little things. Jason Mills from Kookaburra gave me some advice around the lords and um, the slight angles on the on the outfield and things like that, and, mm. and how you can maybe try for that. So. Yeah, it's um, yeah, it's, a, it's obviously the unknown for me a little bit, but just trying little things here to prepare yourself as well as you can. Well, all I can say is, uh, as a backup keeper, that's how I started, uh, Cam, way, way, way back. Um, I got 40 minutes notice of my first Test match when uh, the incumbent Warren Lee's uh, broke down during warm-ups, uh, did a hamstring, and uh, I got 40 minutes notice. So all I can say is to you, be ready. <laughs> Be ready. Um, yeah. Enjoy England from an international cricketer's point of view. I can promise you, if you love cricket, you will absolutely love this tour. On the field or off it, uh, cricket just oozes out of there. So 
Uh, that test series is going to be enthralling. Wish you all the best. Uh, learn what you can um, and uh, just enjoy the experience. Uh, fantastic news that you're going to be making the trip. Go well. Awesome. Cheers, Smithy. Really appreciate that. Um, yeah, I do. I will take you up on hopefully having a bit of a chat around and some keeping tips. But, yeah, thanks for having me on. All the best and hope to catch up soon. An exciting time for you, Cam. Thanks for joining us, mate. Uh, and uh, as I said, go well uh, and enjoy. Thank you. Cheers. It is 9.18 here on SENZ. Yes, Cam Fletcher, uh, one of 20 players named this morning. Uh, we have uh, plenty coming up this morning. In fact, we're going to invite you as well, don't, don't worry about that, uh, to ring us on that uh, talkback line, 0800 150811. We will be putting a chemist warehouse voucher up for grabs. Subjects this morning, well, we're going to be focusing on Liverpool. Have you got a football team? Have you got a football team and why? Ring us and tell us if you've got a fo- an English football team and why, how passionate are you about it? The other thing is, I read an article this morning uh, that we're perhaps a little too harsh on referees in this country. Do you think that's fair? Do you think our criticism, our analysis of referees um, in both uh, rugby union and rugby league, I suppose, are the two most focused on games as such uh, when you come to that conversation? Are we too hard on referees? Should we get off their backs and just let them do their job? Um, interesting. Uh, I'd love to hear your thoughts on that. 0800 150 811, Chemist Warehouse Voucher up for grabs. There's shiploads of vehicles arriving every month. Visit your local Polaris dealer today. Summer or winter, he's the voice of sport in Aotearoa. This is Mornings with Ian Smith on SENZ. Yep, Star Wars, eh? Why? Why Star Wars? Well, it's May the 4th. May the 4th, and all around the world, of course, May the 4th is very significant. Must say, uh, the only connection I have to Star Wars, uh, my friend Logan, is that uh, one lady once wrote a letter to me when I was a young member of the New Zealand cricket team and said I look like Luke Skywalker. That's the only real connection I have had. And that was uh, played by an actor by the name of Mark Hamill, way back in the original, so... Goodness me, that's, now we're talking there. That's a really yeah, that's good compliment, name. Smithy. That is a really good co- compliment, i, I got to say. Uh, Hamill, very much a handsome man in his young younger days. Yeah, well, if I wanted to be uh, looking like uh, anyone else in that particular movie, I'd be in big trouble, uh, my understanding is, because some of them weren't too pretty. Uh, anyway, let's move along. Uh, you've been up early this morning, out and about early this morning, uh, doing what great producers do, and that's some serious spade work. Where'd you go? Uh, I went to the pub, Smithy. It is it is not what, what? you think. It is not what you think. Uh, there's a lot of dedicated uh, football fans out there in New Zealand. Uh, partic- I, I know a few Liverpool fans. We Obviously, we know uh, some dedicated Manchester United fans around the place as well. But no, across the road from uh, SCNZ Studios, we have the Paddington. And uh, a bunch of them got together. Doors open at 7am and they were watching the game. So I had to ask them just how dedicated they are. Love the games and um, went to a Champions League final in Kiev of all places a few years ago, which was a culmination of about 30 hours of flights for just two days in Kiev. See, I'm, I'm pretty dedicated, as is this man. But, for, but fortunately, some of the games working pretty well, like the game the other day um, against Everton, where you're able to get up at 3.30 in the morning and watch the game, as frustrating as that was, and then go off to dawn service the, you know, a few hours later. So that worked in really well. So it was, uh, look, honestly, it's... Um, 
it's when you when you're supporting the team like this, uh, going through um, a season they're having, you, you'll be a fool to miss it, right? And um, and so the issue is getting up early in the morning, watching a game midday. They're all the same because um, it means so much. It means so much to us. Liverpool's a family, and we're a global family. A global family. That is a great New Zealander there getting up at three in the morning to watch football and then go to dawn service on Anzac Day, Smithy. Mm, that is cool. That is really cool. So, um, you know, that, that is significant uh, for those particular folks. We should say that at this point when you were talking to these people, the game is uh, about to kick off. At half time, Liverpool were deep in the stock. They were 2-0 down, away from home, looking down the barrel of losing. So... Um, then all of a sudden, uh, they did turn it around. They scored three magnificent second-half goals in 12 minutes, Logan. So the mood, I'd imagine, at the pub was was pretty cool. Uh, the, yeah, I was there pre-match, because then, of course, I have to put the show together. Uh, very jovial bunch, I must say. I'm sure they're having the time of their lives now. Uh, we'll find out more about that at 11 o'clock uh, when we have Peter Carroll on. Uh, yeah, man, Liverpool fans around here are crazy. I've grown up with one, one of my best mates, uh, Bevan Jones. He was a groomsman at my wedding. I've no, lived with him and known for him to get up early in the morning and watch these games. But I also had to ask, uh, just about the season as a whole with these fans, what does it mean to be a Liverpool fan, especially with the season they're having this year? Well, after almost 50 years, I can't remember a season like this, to be honest. The only problem is that... Uh, you got Man City at the same time as Liverpool, so there's normally one team that dominates, but I suppose competition makes it even better. But um, it's fantastic. I mean, it's like wave on a wave, week after week. It's, it's great. And uh, how much do you love Jurgen Klopp? Oh, man, it's, uh, he's absolutely amazing. And so glad that he signed um, another deal. So we got him for a few more years. But what he's done for the club, um, I think he deserves a statue. That's how much we love him. Yeah. Maybe he'll get to if I wasn't yeah. already married. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, what do you make of that, Smithy? <laughs> <laughs> well, three different accents. Three different accents there um, talking about Liverpool. So uh, as you pointed out, there's uh, so much uh, a global entity, a global family, and they'll be a very happy global uh, entity this morning, a global family, and we'll find out more about that. As you say... When we talk to Peter Carroll, who is the treasurer of the Liverpool Supporters Club of New Zealand, speak to him just after 11 o'clock this morning. Champions League glory for them. Uh, we have uh, a text line, of course, double eight double three. But uh, straight after the news with Araha, we would love to have your calls. 0800 150811. Uh, two or three subjects to talk about. Are we too hard on our refs? Should we get off their backs and just let them do their jobs? Or are we within our rights to be quite analytical and critical of their performance? Uh, to, have you got a team? Are you like a Liverpool fan as well? Do you have a, a Man U team, a Spurs team like silly old me? Uh, do you have a football team and why? Has it been in your family a long time? The other thing you might like to comment on is the naming of the Black Caps. Any surprises in there? Just heard from um, from Cam Fletcher from Canterbury, who's the uh, second wicketkeeper batsman in, in the group behind Tom Blundell. Any surprises in there? Any disappointments? 20 players in there. You would imagine they've covered all their bases. So 0800 150 811 is our phone number after the news with Aroa. Talkback time with Smithy. Brought to you by Chemist Warehouse. Great savings every day. Call now for a chance to win today's $50 Chemist Warehouse voucher. 0800 150 811.
Yep, there you have it. 0800-150811. And yes, $50 chemist warehouse voucher up for grabs. Pretty handy. Mother's Day just around the corner, I would imagine. Uh, first start up for us this morning is uh, a man that communicates with us a lot, um, but basically by text. I've spoken to him once before, uh, but it's a really good morning to Jeff the Ref. And I would imagine, Jeff the Ref, you want to talk about refs. Yeah, good morning, Smithy. Yeah, no, it's an interesting subject you just uh, brought up this morning. Um, as you know, I've been involved 25 years, and um, the good subject about do we give the referees a wee bit of slack? If you, if you go back to when I first started, some of the hardest grades to referee is those uh, morning grades where the parents think they're sons and daughters are going to be the next all blacks, you know, and uh, and <laughs> some of those games, morning grades, age group games can be some of the toughest games you can referee in your career <laughs> to, to a point. Um, well, that, that to me, that's to me is one of the issues, Jeff. That's one of the issues for me is because here's the thing. Um, if you're going to yell at the TV um, and it becomes a habit, and I do, from time to time, I, I, I curse under my breath at times when I'm on the sideline trying to commentate these games as well, um, then uh, you're, you're probably going to be one of those parents that's going to yell on the sideline on a Saturday morning, which is, uh, I don't think, are okay. One, because those referees are all volunteers. They're all doing it for the love of the game and the good of the game, and they are different for the people that make a living out of it for me. Yeah, absolutely. And at the end of the day, they're the young guys. We lose a lot of these young referees because when I started, played the game to, to my 30s, you know, and I took, it, took the game up into 34, 35, and 25 years, so I could handle a lot of the sideline comments um, and I didn't take it too personally where a lot of these young young guys who are future referees at grassroots and at international level we lose a lot um, because you know, they get a bloody hard time. We've achieved in Central Targa here, we've built up this rugby culture now that we're a family and that's rugby players, coaches and referees. So we are part of the, us referees now at all levels are part of the rugby family and we're looked after. Uh, okay, what happens on the field, stays on the field, in the club rooms, we're looked after, we tell a joke, we have a feed. We're a, as a referee, you've got to be approachable to speak to the coaches and the skippers after the game and, and be prepared to put up your hand and say, yeah, I got that wrong, but let's, we've all got something to work on next Saturday whether it's a player or a referee. You know, just, but we've got to be, have that, get that family culture going. It's all about retention long term. You know, and I love the game. And I took it up because I thought I could be a better referee than Paddy O'Brien and, and Colin Hawke. But, but I reckon if every spectator on the sideline or even the commentators at Sky TV refereed a game, age group game, they get a, a different perspective of uh, what's involved. And you just, it's humanly impossible to get every uh, rule, you know, right. And if you referee to the law book, you wouldn't have a game of rugby. It's... There's too many bloody rules compared to soccer, mate, you know. But the other point is, though, Jeff, I mean, what people want is flow, you know, and it's an entertainment as well, isn't it? It's about flow. It's about um, seeing quality rugby over the space of your 80 minutes, and there's the other issue, of course. 
because of the panel, it's now a, a refereeing by committee, not individual. You'll have to agree with that. Uh, if these games can go yeah. up to you know uh, uh, actual playing time, getting towards two hours now. Uh, some of the outlandish ones are getting up towards two hours because of all the speculation. Now, Jeff, um, I understand you know uh, certain points of view there, but I, I'm I'm worried about that side of it. Yeah, I I can't refer to game on the weekends, but they're pretty good game. And I could have, especially at the breakdown, I could have, you know, find four or five different reasons to blame a whistle. But you just got to let it breathe. Try and be number 31 on the paddock, um, unless it's foul play. Um, And and, and law seven is the best law in the book, advantage. And there were some cracking tries to both the Aratown Bulls and the. uh, Amadillo Alex team, you know, and, and I was part of that reason why they scored some great team tries out wide, you know. I let it, just got to communicate, let it flow, and and, and let, it, let them dictate the game to a certain degree if both teams are trying to play positive rugby. But you could find, as I say, particularly the breakdown where uh, there's a lot of things happening there, you could find a, a penalty every time, but you wouldn't get a game of rugby. The game wouldn't flow, really. Um, yeah, I underst- yeah, understand your sentiments, Jeff. Uh, thanks very much for your, your call this morning, uh, speaking from a referee's point of view, and there are uh, numerous issues to look at along the way, but um, I just wondered, uh, Dean has joined us from Dunedin. Dino, good morning to you. Uh, you're an avid watcher of the game. I'm not sure if you've ever been a referee at any level, whatever, but what's your take on it? Yeah, mate, obviously love the game and uh, listen to GFC was quite interesting. Like, the one point I took from it that I guess is lost is the referee is 31. And I did lots of it, to be brutally honest. I could have done a lot more. Like when Gappy or Shane McDermott started, I started about a week before him and Paddy O'Brien was my advisor or mentor or whatever. So I was very lucky. But that two hours a week I did with the referees was the worst two hours of my life. That's the honest truth. And the reason I say that, it starts at the top, same as NZRFU, but you've got people that know every rule. And I know Jeff, because I spent a bit of time in Cromwell as well, so I did a bit of refereeing there. More touch than rugby, because I had to go at the referee and it was the same stuff. I thought, no, nah, not doing it. But you've got a lot of guys that are lawyers and accountants. I don't mean to say that because they're clever, but they actually are clever. And they know the rules. They know every rule but they don't know what that rule means in the plain sense. Now, as Jeff said there, he could blow the whistle on every ruck, maul, whatever. You can. But the most important thing and the glaringly obvious thing for me with referees is they lose sight of the ball. Once you've lost the ball, you've lost the game. Because when you, the ball's the only thing that's important. And what the players do around the ball, that's what you're officiating. What happens off the ball is off the ball, and there's people to help you with that now. But the referee's sole job is where's that bloody ball? And if he keeps a hold of that, he's got control of the game. But he is 31. Now, Steve Walsh was a classic, beautiful referee, good-looking young bloke, everything going for him. But he had a bad rugby injury, and he wanted to be number one, not number 31. And that just doesn't work. You're not there. It's not about you but you're a huge part of the game. Now, I understand that family thing and whatever he's talking about in Cromwell, but 
Yeah, I didn't get into that either. Like, I got abused by experts, mate, when I refereed. Like, guys that played 100 games for South, and I won't mention their names, but one of them could be listening. He knows. And I said to him after the game, he come up and apologise, and I said, mate, you're just lucky it's me, because I don't really care, you know? I'm doing this, and I was only the touch judge that day, and he abused in front of a lot of people. And I thought, okay, you're entitled to your opinion. You, you know, he's passionate, but you can't do it, you know? And if I had a moan, because of who he was, Nothing would have happened either because of who he was. But if it was um, someone like Ian Smith from Tokoroa that no one knows, they'd throw the book at him. And that's the problem in rugby. Like The headshots and that as well, that's another aspect of it. When a guy's falling in front of you and you're committed to smoking him in the ribcage, how that's a red card when you hit his head, I've got no idea. That's just an incident in rugby. The Nepo Nalalas, when he comes in and hits the guy Lamb in the back of the head with his shoulder when he's prone on the ground, that's banned him for life. And then he does it again in the second half. He got a penalty in the first half. In the second half, he does it again, but gets the guy flush in the teeth. Get rid of that guy. Like, I don't care how good he is, whether he's an all-black, what he is. If you want to make an example of someone that people are going to take notice of, and they won't because they say it's his livelihood and he's got to feed his family, but the bottom line is that's thuggery. Sonny Bull Williams did exactly the same thing to the boy Robinson in the Lions test. The only part of Robinson you could see was his head, and he nails it with his shoulder. And now we laud him. Like, really? That's the aspect of the game I hate, and that's where the referees have got to get it wrong, right. And unfortunately, they get it wrong. And they go to the bunker, and they slow it down a thousand times, and everything looks bad in slow motion. You play it flat out. If that guy's falling and you hit him in the head, that's an incident in rugby. You're never going to avoid it, but you shouldn't go down to 14 men because of it. If you go high and take his head off, definitely. If you jump on his head, definitely. But the ruck needs to come back to sort out this rubbish. There's too much mauling. Who likes to see it, Smithy? I've gone on about it often enough. It's utter rubbish. But the refereeing starts from the top, and that's why I got out of it, because I just couldn't be bothered listening to people that... And it's not having skin in the game or blood in the game, all these flash cliches either, but it does make a difference. Like Glenn Jackson, as much as the Highlanders hated him, he was still was a damn good ref because he actually played the game at a really high level and understood. You know, that's the main thing. It's The rules are there, but you've got to understand them. And unless you've played, I honestly don't believe you ever will. That's my opinion on know, that. And as for the... Yeah, uh, Yep. Appreciate it, Dino. Th- absolutely. Thank you. Uh, I've got to move on. Some wonderful thoughts there. And uh, now that I know you're a referee as well, um, interesting. Uh, very interesting to have your thoughts on that. Uh, much more an all-rounder. And I thought just a pub watcher. I, I, I can understand now, Dean. Hey, uh, Zade, uh, thanks very much for being so patient this morning. Zade, uh, you got a favourite football team? Yeah, so my team is um, Chelsea. And um, why I started supporting them was you might think it's a bit of a bandwagon um, idea, but I jumped in them as soon as they won that 2012 Champions League final. I turned it on, and um, ever since then, I've loved Chelsea. was a big fan of Frank Lampard and Didier Drogba, and wake up every morning, pretty much they play. Um, it was a pretty hard game to wake up for um, against Everton the other day, um, mm. but I guess it's housing at Everton, and um, we really need to sort out this ownership problem with Chelsea. I've heard Todd Bowley from the um, Los Angeles Dodgers as a front runner, but it's taking a lot of time, and um, uh, we need to need to sort this out. Um, and it's, but it's going to take a long time. Of also the English government, 
Um, but yeah, I've heard there's been some speculation somewhere around that that three billion dollar mark. Um, but yeah, I I hope that they can sort it out. Um, and it's been yeah pretty up and down season for Chelsea, but they're still you know they're not they're not title challengers this year, but they're still you know top top four, which will be them for another Champions League. But a game that quite hurt me recently was the uh, Real Madrid game. We were up three two. Um, we were up in that in that in that league, and then we conceded and um, right at the end of the game, and then extra time we lost to to Real Madrid. Um, and yeah, I know we would have been playing Man City uh, this league, but you never know what could have happened. Uh, but I guess at least they won the Champions League last year against Manchester City. Um, but yeah, I love Chelsea, and it's on my, it's on my bucket list to go to a game at Stamford Bridge at some stage. But it's just pretty hard to get to um, London from New Zealand because it's pretty expensive. But it is on my um, bucket list to go to a Chelsea game. Said, um, love to hear your passion for Chelsea, uh, and love to hear the reason why you've got a a passion for, for Chelsea. I also want to thank you for your communications into the station as well, uh, whether it be by text or good. phone call as well, uh, Zaid. So uh, thanks very much for waiting and thanks for that. Now that I know you're a Chelsea fan, uh, I'm not sure how I feel about you because I'm a crosstown rival fan in Tottenham Hotspur. But uh, we'll keep it from now on. Chelsea v Tottenham Hotspur for me. Uh, with you, Zaid, will have a totally new meaning. And thanks to the callers this morning. Uh, Logan will make a decision on who's going to get the chemist warehouse voucher this morning, uh, 50 bucks worth. We'll have another one tomorrow morning. We'll come up with a couple of topics uh, for you to talk about, uh, or maybe you've just got your own. If you something that really grates on you throughout today or has been for a while, don't mean you have to be a subject that I bring up. They're just ideas. If you've got something that you really want to have a crack at uh, and uh, get in line to win that uh, chemist warehouse voucher for 50 bucks, uh, by all means, Go ahead, give us a call, 0800 If not, uh, like two or three people have come in this morning, you can text us on double eight double three, and we'll read those out throughout the morning as well. SENZ. It is 9.51 here on SENZ, and Graham's called in from Christchurch. Graham, good morning to you. Ah, good morning, Smithy. How are you? Yeah, good. Oh, good mate. I... Referees? Yeah, just referees, I think. People have got to sort of understand that referees can't see everything. And so when they're getting hard on them, it's, it's absolutely an impossibility. But at the same time, I found it a bit interesting with both Jeff the Ref and Dino. I think it's the rules which need to be changed. Because they're sitting there saying, there's so many rules that could be an infringement anywhere, so you've just got to follow the ball. Well, if some people are watching and they see a breach of rules, then you can see what he's saying. You've got to do something about it. So, you know, to me, it's just a little bit difficult, mate. Yeah, I'm with you. One of the things that uh, concerns me is the length of the games, Graham. And, and now, of course, uh, as I said before, refereeing is not just an individual thing because the more help you give them with your ARs and your, uh, your TMO upstairs... Uh, the longer it takes because it's it, it, uh, quite often throughout the game, too many times it's refereeing by committee decision. Yes, I agree with that too. And when they're going up the ranks, I can, I'd take it from cricket umpiring myself. When you're going up the ranks, you don't have TMOs. You don't have third umpires. So you, you're making your decisions based on what you see. And once you get up there, all of a sudden... You're taking away the control out of what the person's supposed to be doing, which is making their decisions. 
if you can see what I mean. Yeah, I absolutely see what you mean. What you're doing, Graham, is you're diluting. You are diluting their uh, power uh, by taking it away from them and redistributing it. Graham, thank you very much for your call this morning. Um, and uh, you also uh, have gone in the draw for the Chemist Warehouse voucher, which we shall announce very, very shortly. Uh, just time for a couple of texts. Uh, Smithy and Luke, uh, someone has texted in, uh, I just laughed my baked bean breakfast all over the bench. That's comparing me to uh, Luke Skywalker, Mark Hamill. Thank you very much, sir. Uh, hi, Smithy. How does Doug Brace will not make the New Zealand Test squad? Thought he was going well. Bat and ball. Cheers, Anthony. Anthony, absolutely throw my hands up in the air. I think he's one of the most talented all-round cricketers we've got. Uh, in this country, but his role is more like a Colin de Gronholm role, Daryl Mitchell role. Um, that's the way I see it, and uh, Dougie is the big loser for that. 9.53 here on SENZ. Your local Polaris dealer today. Summer or winter, he's the voice of sport in Aotearoa. This is Mornings with Ian Smith on SENZ. You got to know when the hold Know when the fold up. Smithy's multi. Know when to walk away. And know when to run. Bet live on your favourite sports. Download the TAB app today. Gujarat Titans could not beat the Punjab Kings, so uh, we missed out there, and uh, the draw was not an eventuation either between the coast, uh, Central Coast Mariners and Brisbane Raw, Raw losing 2 0. Today. Boston Celtics to beat Milwaukee, and that is a buck 46. Golden State Warriors to beat Memphis, a buck 75. Basketball double there. Still to beat the Tactics, netball tonight at $1.25. The Newcastle Jets to draw with West United at $3.50, and that is A-League, of course. $11.17 for that. We are doing Rugby League straight after the break as we talk to Jared Cronin. It is time now for the news with Araha. Polaris has shiploads of vehicles arriving every month. Visit your local Polaris dealer today. From behind the stumps to behind the mic, nothing gets past Smithy. This is Mornings with Ian Smith on SENZ. 10.03 here on SENZ. The Warriors have named their team to face Cronulla Sharks on Sunday with Dejan Asi rewarded for his efforts last round, maintaining his spots alongside uh, in the halves alongside Sean Johnson. They don't have too many options, to be fair, though, with Ash Taylor retiring. Wasn't that sad? Uh, Cody Nikarima recovering from COVID as well but the big question is can they ride the wave of their golden point win over the Raiders at last weekend well our next guest will be hoping so because he is the host of Warriors Anonymous podcast Jared Cronin Jared good morning to you a very good morning to you Smithy the sun is shining here in Sydney and uh, yeah we're counting down to uh, to game day god you need that those racetracks need to dry out <laughs> Absolutely, it's been a bit of a tough time. So apparently, it's uh, supposed to get a little bit cool as we head towards the weekend. So we'll see how that goes. Oh, well, that might suit some of the rugby league players anyway. And uh, one of the talking points uh, on this side of the Tasman, and you'll have got your head uh, around this as well, is the Warriors signing 19-year-old Ronald Volkman into a massive role over the next three years. Yeah, very exciting prospect. He's one of the most highly touted youngsters uh, currently going around, uh, playing in the halves and currently playing for the North Sydney Bears, the feeder club for the Sydney Roosters. So uh, 20 years of age. I watched his game on the weekend, um, and for such a young guy, I think really most impressed me first of all was that he didn't look out of place playing against grown men in that sort of uh, reserve grade um, knowing that he's a young fella coming through he didn't look overawed he was solid on defense good kicking game 
uh, and just, yeah, looks like a, a very smart young operator. So um, a lot of excitement around what he could possibly bring to the table for the Warriors next year. There was a chance uh, that Ronald Volkman might have gone to Rugby Union. Is that right? Were the War- Waratahs interested in him? Absolutely, yeah. And thankfully they didn't get their grubby mitts on him because uh, yeah, we, we certainly need him more at the Warriors. Um, but, yeah, it's it's... Uh, he's been a uh, a schoolboy prodigy uh, in rugby union before switching over to league. So, uh, so he's got a lot of skills there. He played a lot of first five uh, in the rugby union circles. So, um, translating that across now into the halves in the league, and um, yeah, it's it's going to be, you know, it's just going to be exciting to see what he can bring. For me, he he looks a lot like physically looks a lot like Mason Lenor, who used to play for the Warriors uh, and a little bit for the Newcastle Knights as well. Um, but he's he's a shifty operator. He can break a lot of tackles. Strong in the legs and um, and and nice you know nice little touches as well. Some good skill that I saw on the weekend. Little touches of class. Okay, well that's good news. Uh, Sean Johnson, as you well know, is turning thirty-two this year, out of contract uh, at the end of uh, the year as well. Um, if he decided to to perhaps not play for one more year, etc., uh, would Volkman be ready? Do you, do you think to go into the to the role? Look, I'm not sure if he'd be quite ready to go straight away. Um, I think he may benefit from having, at least having a guy like Sean around because uh, Sean has shown that, particularly this season, as his age gets up there, um, he's, he's just picking his right moments to really get involved and, and be the match winner for us. And I feel like Volkman, from what I've seen, he could be a, a similar guy who, he's, he's happy to let the game come to him, uh, but also when he sees an opportunity, he can go after it and pick the right moment to just, you know, really put his stamp on things. So I actually think if we can keep Sean around for a bit, a little bit longer to just be a mentor to young Volkman, I think that'd be really beneficial. Well, Nathan Brown's been forced uh, through various uh, means and uh, needs to juggle his half combination this season. Uh, I just wonder if the current Warriors side was fully healthy, what do you think his optimum half pairing would be? Yeah, that's starting to become a, uh, a looming question, I guess, as Chanel Harris-Tavita, uh, from suffering that horrific injury, um, he's due back in a few weeks' time, and all of a sudden, once we've brought in this young kid, Ussie, who made his debut on the weekend and performed brilliantly, uh, all of a sudden we've got questions, because Chanel Harris-Tavita was playing extremely well in the number six jumper, and now Ussie uh, has made a really good start as well, so... Uh, it's a little bit interesting as to which way they could go. I probably would tend to think that they may look to bring Chanel Harris-Tavita back into the number six jersey and maybe use Ussie as like a 14th man type of impact role. Um, but yeah, it is a bit of a toss of the coin at the moment. And, and frankly, uh, we're just really, we'll be happy to get enough halves healthy to, uh, to trot out every week because as we've seen recently uh, all of a sudden you lose a couple and uh, and you're starting to look a bit thin so um, if we can get healthy then we can start looking at uh, that kind of question Oh, well, I just wonder too uh, Jared whether we, we look at this and we think we're going to sign this 19 year old kid who's pretty raw uh, what does it say about potential talent within New Zealand um, does it mean we've absolutely got none does it mean we don't have the chance to recognise it over here I think it just means that they're particularly struggling at the moment with a lot of the the pathways. And uh, I know that uh, the Warriors have mentioned through their recruitment development that um, they're currently a recruitment 
club. They're in a phase of recruitment, bringing players in to try and build up the stocks. Just because we've had a couple of years away from home, um, hopefully next year, once we get based back in Auckland, ideally, um, we can start getting the pathways moving forward uh, because currently, yeah, there is there's a real sort of disconnect between getting a lot of these guys through because they sort of come through the younger grades and all of a sudden they've got nowhere to go within New Zealand for the Warriors pathway. So, um, so yeah, I, I guess we're kind of stuck in the middle at the moment by necessity, having to bring a few guys in, uh, particularly youngsters, um, guy like Volkman coming through, and also Luke Metcalf, who we've signed from next year as well. Uh, interesting to note that uh, those two guys there are actually going to be playing against each other on Sunday in a, in a reserve-grade game. So that's going to be a, quite an interesting little watch. I might have a little look-see at that because that kicks off about an hour before the uh, the Warriors' main game against the Sharks. Yesterday, Jared, we heard uh, from Fox Sports that Reese Walsh, uh, has said he's 100% going to New Zealand next year. I saw that headline and I thought to myself, does that mean he's coming over to visit us with another team or does it mean he's actually coming to play here full-time next year? Um, I read the article, but further on, it's, it, the, what I read to it is that he's going to stay with the Warriors. Do you believe that? Well, yeah. I mean, you can kind of, you can only really uh, read into it what you can. Um, and I guess the Warriors have taken steps over the past month or so to really try and get the message out there that you know stay away because Reese is staying with the Warriors. Um, so obviously Cameron George and Nathan Brown have come out and said it, uh, and it still hasn't really quieted the rumours that have been swirling around young Reese. So I guess they've gotten to the point where they're like, well, okay, we're going to actually um, you know have it heard from the horse's mouth get him to front foot it and just say, hey, I'm actually definitely going to to New Zealand. That was always the plan. Uh, and especially that uh, if, if COVID hadn't really um, continued this year, that ideally he would have been in New Zealand with the rest of the team. So that's that's all encouraging from a signals point of view. Um, I think he may need to just maybe pop over to New Zealand, see what the atmosphere is like, maybe have a lunch or two with the Mad Butcher and, uh, and we can keep him there. <laughs> yeah, um, hope he likes sausages. Uh, here's the other thing. Uh, to does that mean Wayne Bennett? Does it signal to Wayne Bennett, hands off, son? Uh, and when I say son, I mean that uh, in the nice, <laughs> most respectful way. Uh, hands off, Wayne. Um, I'm not sure that that's going to deter him. Even a comment in, on Fox Sport, he, he'll be still snapping around. Yeah, the godfather of rugby league. He does. Uh, he, he plays by his own rules, really, doesn't he? At this point, Wayne uh, doesn't seem too flustered by a heck of a lot. Um, and yeah, I, I guess it's it is a, a strong signal for him to stay away. But um, look, I don't think he's terribly worried. I think with Wayne Bennett, you could trot out a team, almost a reserve grade side, and actually I reckon get pretty recent uh, decent results out of him. So um, I think that he's yeah he's a little bit foxy the old boy. But um, yeah, I don't know. He, he seems to have made a few noises in recent days that everything is under control and going to plan. Um, doesn't quite seem that way in terms of the you know the caliber of players that have been turning down offers, but uh, but yeah, Wayne still we'll still circle around and, and try his little tricks, but um, yeah, hopefully we're uh, we're awake to that, and hopefully um, Reese will will say no and, and stay with us. Jared, before we get on to the lineup for this weekend's game against Cronulla Sharks, there is uh, quite a sad announcement. Really, you never like to see uh, young players uh, out of the game um, forever, but it seems that is the case for Ash Taylor, who, uh, due to hip injuries, has said uh, he won't be playing any more league. Yeah, very sad news for for Ash. He's still a young man, twenty seven years old, and um, he'd already 
played a good 116 odd games in the NRL, uh, which was um, yeah, it, it's it just kind of I guess highlights the point that you know nothing's given. It's um, it's a sad sort of state of affairs when you have to pull stumps at that point in your career. And he was uh, he was looking for a bit of a second go. Really, uh, things hadn't quite panned out uh, with the Titans as he'd hoped. Uh, there'd been a lot of uh, media scrutiny on him and. The move to the Warriors really represented a a fresh change, um, a good chance to move away from the spotlight of being the million dollar man, and just yeah, just a chance to get out and actually you know start playing again. So uh, he only managed to really play one game for us in, in round two against the Titans, uh, and actually played he, he didn't play too badly, but uh, albeit you could see by the end of the game that uh, he had you know uh, things had deteriorated injury wise for him so um yeah real real sad sort of state of affairs for him um but um you know i guess we we wish him well in, in his next phase of his life yeah it is it is sad uh, as i said hate to see young players ruled out of the game because long term injuries like that now uh, let's look at, and on the subject of injuries let's look at the starting lineup for this weekend a couple of weeks ago when i saw Dallin Watesney, uh, Watesney, does Lesniak uh, go down <laughs> with that nasty head knock? Man, that's a, a mouthful for me. Uh, I was worried. I didn't think I'd see him. I didn't see him. I did not see, think I'd see him back this soon. To be fair, is that too soon? Yeah, I tell you what. The um, that was actually the the worst point of that game for me against Melbourne was seeing him get stretched off. Um, that sort of highlighted the fact that here we are, you know, a game of footy, and we're about to lose by sixty points, but. Um, seeing this man getting carted off and, and not being sure what his status was uh, was was really scary. And um, you know, when we were able to get solid reports that he was recovering well and, and coming back, sort of thought, you know, that's great. First of all, that he's you know he's, he's able to um, you know function um, and, and get back and play on the field, which is great. Uh, and yeah, I guess it was it was such a sickening blow that when he hit the uh, the knee of Nelson Asafa Solomona. Um, it did really raise worries as to how long he might be out with concussion protocol and, and all the testing that they have to do and recovery and whatnot. So clearly he's come through that. Uh, he's had a, a lot of bad luck so far this season with a broken thumb that put him out for a good month. Came back, played a game and a half, and then uh, and then got sconed right in the uh, on the noggin. So, um, yeah, I guess he's due for a little bit of luck, and the Warriors will be happy to have his... A, his finishing ability and his game-breaking speed back out on the uh, on the right edge there, um, but also I guess a lot of leadership and and someone who can really do the tough carries, trying to get out of our own uh, our own area because that's that's really been an area that we have struggled with, uh, particularly in the last few weeks. Where do you see the the improvement has to come? I mean, they were very lucky to win. Let's be fair against the Raiders last week. Uh, Cronulla, though, uh, traditionally a very tough matchup. You look at. Uh, the weapons they've got, like Talakai, Nico Hines, etc. Uh, where, where do the Warriors really just have to be so much better? Well, I think they're really going to try uh, try to fight fire with fire. Uh, they've gone with a uh, a bigger bench than what they've utilised before. We've got Murchie, Murdoch, Masilla, Afua, and Penny, who's back after suspension. So those guys in rotation with particularly Fenua Blake and Lodge. I think we're going to try and take on their pack head-on because it's a big pack that they've got. They've got guys like Toby Rudolph, uh, sorry, Toby Rudolph, um, Dale Finucane, uh Royce Hunt there on the bench. These are all big boys, and they've been very much a straight up and down sort of side in terms of you know running through the up and down the tram tracks. So we're going to have to try and really win that arm wrestle of of you know getting 
field position and just trying to limit what guys like Nico Hines and, you know, in the, the center pairing of, uh, of Talakai and uh, Jesse Ramey and a couple of big centers, we've got to really try and, uh, you know, push them back up the other end of the field as, as best we can so that they can, you know, so that they can't put too much damage on us uh, out wide. Tell us uh, before we go, uh, Jared, uh, speaking to Jared Cronin, who's uh, the man for Warriors Anonymous, the podcast. Um, how do Warriors fans uh, engage with that and get, get hold of you, etc., and on both sides of the Tasman? Yeah, for sure. So we've got a, um, a Facebook page just called Warriors Anonymous. Um, so, yeah, feel free, anyone, to jump on board and, and give us a yell. We've got a few things uh, going on with the page. We've got a... a a lot of um, info and, and sort of tips coming through as to what's happening from both both sides of the Tasman because I'm involved with the podcast with uh, three mates who are based in New Zealand. So between us, we get a lot of the good intel uh, on each side of, of the coin. Um, so, yeah, if you can uh, join us on Facebook uh, and also uh, the podcast itself that we're, uh, we're putting out at the moment is streaming on Spotify. Um, Google Podcasts and also Apple Podcasts as well. So uh, it's it's a it's a good old weekly laugh. Sometimes we need a good laugh when we're watching the Warriors. Often it turns into a bit of a support group. So uh, so feel free to join us. You're you're more than welcome. Uh, and feel free to join us again uh, on our show, Jared. Love your input. Love your uh, background knowledge, particularly the Warriors, but league itself, and of course the other sports that you're involved in heavily too. So uh, thanks for your time. Look forward to. Uh, another positive performance against Cronulla and for me a slightly unlikely win this one uh, unless they're a lot better but uh, we can only live in hope hey thank you so much Smithy yes indeed go the Warriors looking forward to it go the mighty Warriors yep might have voted phone Warriors I think the, the callers Jared Cronin there uh, from across the Tasman and yes the podcast is Warriors Anonymous 10.18 here on SENZ when we return we have a panel and it consists this morning of Wednesday, Andrew Gordy and Kimberly Downs. The voice of sport in Aotearoa. This is Mornings with Ian Smith on SENZ. Big talk, big opinions, the panel. Andrew Gordy and Kimberly Downs are the panellists this morning. Uh, looking forward to this chat over the next uh, 15 minutes or so. Uh, we shall uh, not be, and tradition says age before beauty. No, not today. We'll go beauty before age. Kimberly Downs, for you. Uh, let's get uh, stuck into uh, one of the subjects, one of the subjects uh, that I think is going to get a bit of a headline or two today. They're going to name a Blackfern squad today. Wayne Smith's first Blackfern squad. Are you expecting any bombshell surprises? The only surprise to me at the moment, Smithy, is that I really thought you were going to go... Uh, the beauty before age and then go to Andrew Gordy and I would have understood it but that's fine (laughs) Um, look, no with this squad I think it'll probably be about what we expect and many of which we've seen of the players that we've seen before Um, I would expect a lot of them obviously to be on that list of players who were uh, offered full time contracts earlier this year there's a couple of positions that I'm really interested in Um, from recollection on that full-time contract list, they only actually had one hooker, so it'll be interesting to see who they bring in there. Uh, Ruby Tui, obviously, is one of those, those players who stay behind away from the seven circuit to kind of put her best foot forward for 15, so that'll be an interesting one to keep across as well. But I think the bigger picture, really, is just whether they can now look to draw a bit of a line in the sand 
after all of the drama and everything that's happened mm. and moved forward. And that's what these squad namings kind of tend to do sometimes, right, is, is you have to start looking forward. And that's certainly, I think, what they will be hoping for and what Wayne Smith will be hoping for. Uh, but it will be really interesting um, to see whether it throws up any new, different, interesting, uh, unexpected names. And I am really excited about it. So we should know in the next, um, not too long at all, really, uh, to see whether whether that team has what it takes. And also, it's, it's interesting, of course, in the context of it being a World Cup year, how many members of this team are expected to be in that World Cup squad. Obviously, there are some seven players away, but, you know, the Pac-4 tournament is three of, what, five tests that they've got before the Rugby World Cup. So there are massive implications mm. for it. Okay, uh, the beautiful Mr. Gordy uh, will come across to you now. Um, they, they say there's no such thing as bad publicity, and they've had some bad publicity. So there is interest. I would imagine there'll be some serious questions asked uh, at this press conference. Yeah, morning, Smithy. Morning, Kimberly. Uh, never been described as beautiful, so I appreciate that from you, Smithy. Uh, unexpected on a Wednesday morning, but I'll take it. Um, I'm, I'm feeling a little bit compromised here because I've actually just seen, uh, just before we came on here, I've seen an embargoed uh, release of the squad. Um, so uh, all, I, all I can say probably at this stage is that we are going to see some new faces. That's not going to be a great surprise. But to, to answer your question, Smithy, I, I, I think you're right. I think there are going to be some tough questions, and, and, and rightly so. This team is going to be followed more closely, I think, than perhaps it ever has before. Um, not, it, it would have been anyway because we have a World Cup coming up on home soil, but the tumult that this team has gone through um, over the last few months, um, obviously since uh, the tour to the UK and France, uh, we had you know, the issues that arose subsequent to that. We had a review. We now have a new coach, a uh, completely new coaching setup, obviously. So there is a lot of interest around this team, and that's before we even talk about the players that are actually going to be doing this on the field. Um, so it's, it's, it's a fascinating sort of narrative, I suppose, that's being built around this team as, as we build up to a World Cup. It's going to be fascinating, I think, to hear from Wayne Smith as well, like, you know, he's, he's now being um, placed in charge of a team that, you know, he thought he was going to be helping out, a, a, you know, not too long ago. Now he's, he's essentially the person in charge. So it's going to be fascinating, I think, to hear about him, him speak with authority about some of the selections he's made today. And, um, yeah, I think we can expect a few surprises come 11 o'clock. Earlier this morning, uh, Kimberly, they announced the team for the... Black Caps to go to uh, England, uh, well, they named 20 players, of course, going to be whittled down to 15 when the IPL players finally join them. No great surprises in there, were they? For, not for me, anyway. What about you? Uh, no, I don't really think so. I mean, like you say, they had to pad out some of the tour uh, squad a bit with those IPL players coming in late. That is just the way that cricket rolls at the moment. It is nice, though, I think... You know, as much as it's not surprising, it is nice to see guys like Michael Bracewell who have toiled and toiled and toiled away kind of get this chance to go on tour um, and on a big test tour as well with the group. So you do like to see players um, rewarded like that, although you'd expect that come, uh, come time for the actual test and once we're past the warm-up stages uh, that you'll be looking at a fairly predictable uh, actual test team. But I think that as well... You know, you sit there and you go, oh, well, nothing surprising me here. That makes sense. That makes sense. That makes sense. And that actually probably speaks really well of this test squad, to be fair, um, that, you know, that they do have that core group of players um, and that reliable and consistent group of players to lean on, so much so that, you know, you can kind of, 
you can probably pick the test team well before it's named. So that, in a way, I think speaks quite highly to the, the group of players that we have at the moment. I tell you what, I am, as much as the uh, timing of these tests overnight is going to be soul-destroying for my sleep patterns, I am really looking forward to them. Well, you can uh, put your head on the pillow and listen to them on SENZ with the likes of Jeremy Coney, if you like, and we can uh, perhaps serenade you to sleep. That sounds with, uh, delightful. News- effects coming in from Lord's <laughs> Trent Bridge and of course uh, heading Lee Gords um, before we head to the news uh, uh, no, as I said no, no great surprises to me um, and uh, it'll be Kiwi captain on Kiwi captain with Stokes of course leading England in the test now yeah well and, and look Smithy, I suppose my, my thoughts on this this morning while, while I'm pleased for you know some of the players um, you know Cam Fletcher, Blair Tickner, Michael Bracewell who have been named so it's, it's you know it's lovely for them um, pleased for them that they're going to be going on a tour um, seriously though this is a massive op- this tour is a massive opportunity for the Black Caps and I'm, I'm really looking to some of those players who are going to be turning up late to this tour because of the Indian Premier League and I know we've been going on about that sort of thing for years but those guys really need to be dialed into this this series when they arrive in the UK because there is a huge opportunity and I've got work to do because, frankly, the Black Caps stuffed up their home summer, um, certainly the test side of things as well. And as the defending uh, world test champions, um, for them to have had such a poor home summer, they have to turn up to England. And, and I think they really need to sort of assert their authority mentally in this, in this situation. You know, going to England, we always think of it as this, you know, daunting prospect. England are in no shape. They've won one of their last 17 tests and they've got a brand new captain. So they, they are at a low ebb. And I just wonder what sort of position the Black Caps are going to be in when they arrive in the UK to mentally dominate a test, an England test squad that really does appear to be vulnerable right now. You know, they're going to be turning up without Ross Taylor. They're going to be turning up without uh, BJ Watling. So it really does, I think, fall to Kane Williamson, Trent Bolt, Tim Southey. These guys really need to show some leadership here and and actually boss it a wee bit. You know, they're, they're not underdogs at all going into this series, or they certainly shouldn't be. But I'll just be really interested to see how assertive they are when it comes to, to facing this England team in three tests, a series that I think they really should be winning. Yep, I, I totally agree with you. Although their place now on the World Test Championship, because of those losses at home, might not reflect that mm. too much. So we're going to take a, a quick news break uh, with Araha, and when we come back, uh, we'll talk about a Super Rugby as well as... a. A couple of other subjects as well. Kimberly Downs, Andrew Gordy with us uh, for part two of the panel very shortly. Big talk, big opinions, the panel. Andrew Gordy, Kimberly Downs with us this morning. Kimberly, uh, Super Rugby now, uh, I'd like to talk about and the fact that some of our New Zealand teams are getting back on home soil. Uh, I just wonder if that means the margins will increase or maybe not. Maybe not. I think the most telling game uh, coming up will be that Chiefs-Brumbies clash in Hamilton. The Brumbies, obviously, the only Australian side who are unbeaten against the Kiwis, albeit against a very dusty-looking Canes outfit last weekend in the Highlanders. (laughs) Um, So I think (laughs) we have to be honest here. (laughs) But I, I think that'll be a pretty telling match this weekend down in Hamilton, especially given, you know, I think Sam Kane's a little bit of a question mark um, with the impending birth of his child. So we'll see how that goes. I, it's just, it, it is nice. You hate to say, you feel almost disloyal and unpatriotic 
But I really enjoyed seeing a couple of different results last weekend. And Gordy, my apologies, because, you know, I know you're a Canterbury man and I don't want to be giving the Crusaders too much here. But, like, I just, it was just nice, wasn't it? It was just refreshing. It got some interest up to see some competitiveness um, in between the New Zealand and Australian teams. And I think all that can do is be good for the competition. And I was actually really excited. And now I look forward to the next kind of however many weeks, genuinely excited about these matchups and going, hey, actually, am I going to know the result well in advance? As, as you suggest, will I just be a matter of picking the margins or are we actually going to see a competitive match here and not know which way the result is going to go? So, yeah, I think it'll be an interesting week ahead. You don't want to count your chickens, um, too much before they hatch, but at the moment it's, it's looking good for some some fairly interesting outings. The Blues have also got the Rebels this week. I mean, I, I suppose that's part of what you're alluding to when you uh, talk about seeing where the margins will blow out. But like I say, I think the Brumbies Chiefs might be the saving grace this weekend when it comes to competitive Super Rugby. It's a subject that can't be avoided, a- Andrew Gordy. Uh, the Crusaders are struggling, <laughs> um, uh, and, and I'm not sure um, there are too many tissues being sold north of Christchurch or south of Christchurch for that matter. But what, what, are you, what are you seeing? What's worrying you here? Oh, look, to be honest, Smithy, nothing's really worrying me. And, and look, as much as I am a, a born and bred Cantabrian, I am not as one-eyed uh, as, as some of them out there. I've got to, I, I agree with you completely. Like this, winning, winning's great. Every, every, everyone wants their team to be winning, but... Winning gets boring if if you if you're not beating anything. If, you, if, you, if if any competition is being dominated by one team for an extended period of time, it just gets boring. And I can extend that out to you know not just the Crusaders. The Crusaders have obviously had a fine record in in, in recent years. Okay, but but New Zealand teams have been dominating Australian teams for for forever and a day. It feels. And I thought the stat that emerged last week that it was the first time since 2014 that two Australian uh, the two Australian teams had had beaten New, New Zealand teams on the same weekend. I thought that really said a lot, and it is great for the competition. Even though the Crusaders were on the on the end of a, a you know a, a defeat to the Waratahs, um, honestly, Kimberley, like you, you talk about it being unpatriotic. I was sitting there on Sunday afternoon hoping that the Brumbies would beat the Hurricanes, and they duly obliged because, like you say, the Hurricanes are, are a very dusty outfit indeed. And just looking across the some of the matches this weekend, you know, I, I would. I would suspect that the Highlanders have got a real challenge on their hands uh, up against the Reds. Uh, Moana Pacifica up against the Waratahs is going to be an interesting matchup, and, and Chiefs versus Brumbies um, as well. So I think it would be great for the competition at the very least if the Brumbies can continue this sort of form. And wouldn't it be great if Super Rugby Pacific has a genuine trans-Tasman final? Um, I think it would be fantastic for, for the competition. And even if the Crusaders weren't in it, I'd be, I'd be happy enough to say that's, that's great for the competition. And it'll be very interesting, I think, to see the viewer numbers for, for the competition this week. I, I think the, that, by and large, Super Rugby has been a bit of a turn-off for a lot of people because they, they just know what's coming. But having seen some of those results last week, I, I think you'll have more people tuning into the games this week because they know that they're going to see a contest. Look forward to, uh, I really look forward to the, this weekend. I've got to say I'm lucky enough to be going to that Brumbies Chiefs game and I think it's going to be the match of the round, as Kimberly has pointed out. Kimberly, we get a guy uh, called Whopper from uh, New Plymouth. I'm not sure if you know Whopper from New Plymouth, but he texts in every now and then. And I don't know if it's because, uh, I don't know if it's because you're on the show, Kimberly, or not, but he says, Barnes' Taranaki Bulls have two NPC games at Pukakura Park 
uh, booked this uh, this uh, time around. Eighty percent of the tickets, eighty percent of the tickets have been pre-sold already. So it seems that not only is it a good cricket ground, not as only is it a good rugby ground, it's also a lovely place. They tell me to get married. <laughs> well, what I can't say that um, I know him personally, but I tell you what, I'd love to. I'd love to go and shake his hand sometime. And he's absolutely right. Because could a park. Oh, how much do you really want me uh, banging on about it? Smithy, you've opened the whole can of words there. But it is glorious. And hey, people love their code in the regions. And Taranaki has always been one of those places, I think. Um, and maybe I, I only say this because I grew up there and this was my experience. But, you know, people are so much, uh, so passionate about the Taranaki team, more so than the super teams, because with the Hurricanes and then with the Chiefs, you're kind of often neglected when it comes to actually getting to see these teams play in your hometown, whereas Taranaki obviously do. And, you know, they've had some rough times um, having to haul the team out to Inglewood and TET Stadium with Gareth Stadium being out of out of sorts. So it is great to see that sort of support and behind them at Pukekota Park. Wapa, you're an absolute champion. Next time I come down to New Plymouth, we'll be uh, having a meet-up at the great Pukekota Park. The great Pukekota Park. The number of times we had to stop the games, Central District's games, while <laughs> wedding processions drove past along that fence line on the road there. Uh, goodness me. Uh, I'd hate to have to count them. Uh, Gord's uh, on a more somber note this morning. You'd like to pay tribute to uh, TVNZ cameraman Joe Day. Uh, news coming from, uh, through from the UK. Uh, very, very sad news this morning. Yeah, very, very sad news, Smithy. And, and look, I, I have to have to say I, didn't, I never met Joe, but, um, you know, obviously uh, our, our two newsrooms are, are rivals but when it comes to moments like this um all of that gets put aside and i just wanted to really say that uh my thoughts and i'm sure uh, the thoughts of everyone uh at news hub and, and the tv3 newsroom today will be with our friends and colleagues over at tvnz and uh, especially to, to pete day his father who um i know certainly my wife and uh, many of her friends uh spent a lot of time working with pete so uh really feeling for pete today and uh like i say uh, all of our friends and colleagues at TVNZ. So, um, yeah, please pass on our thoughts. Come to, to everyone there. It must be a, a very tough day uh, for the newsroom and a very tough day for the Day family as well. Thank you, Gordy. Really appreciate that. Yeah, very sad indeed. Uh, yeah, tragic news. Absolutely tragic news. Sad note to uh, end this panel on, but um, these things uh, every now and then happen and cross our paths and uh, worth paying tribute to uh, to Joe Day with that horrible news coming through. Uh, Kimberly, uh, thank you very much for your time this morning. And uh, Mr Wednesday, uh, Andrew Gordy, thank you very much uh, for your regular appointment as well. Fantastic. We'll have another panel tomorrow morning uh, around about the same time. Uh, when we come back, we might uh, just go through that Blackburn squad for you and hopefully we'll have the time to read out some texts as well. It's been a busy hour so far as we head towards 11 o'clock. Polaris has shiploads of vehicles arriving every month. Visit your local Polaris dealer today. Summer or winter, he's the voice of sport in Aotearoa. This is Mornings with Ian Smith on SENZ. Yes, courtesy of Polaris, of course, our side-by-side partners. Uh, a number of uh, vehicles for you to check out. Check out with your local dealer now, particularly uh, with the uh, duck shooting season just around the corner. There is a vehicle specifically designed for that purpose, I am sure. Now then, we've been talking about it all morning, uh, the naming of the first Black Ferns squad under the guise of uh, Supercoach Wayne Smith. Uh, let's head across to the newsroom where Araha Hathaway 
will name that side for us. Aroha. That's a big squad, isn't it? Lots of mm. girls in there whose names I've read out before and some new ones. Hookers, Luca Connor, Natalie Delamere, Georgia Ponsonby, Props, Lucy Anderson, Tanya Colon Vale, Pip Love, Angel sorry, Angel Mulu, Crystal Murray, Leilani Peresi, Amy Rule, The Locks are Chelsea Bremner, Joanna Nanwu, Maya Kawana Kokani Roos, Loose Forwards, Alana Bremner, Tafito Lafaeli, Liana Mikhaile Tu'u, Kaipo, Alson Baker, Kendra Reynolds, halfbacks Ariana Baylor, Kendra Coxedge, Arihiana Marino Tauhini, the inside backs are Rua Hay Demont, Amy Duplessis, and Carla Hohepa, Patricia Maliepo, and Chelsea Semple. And the outside backs are Renee Holmes, Aisha Leti Ienga, Shayel, or is it Shayel or Chayel? Because I've called it both and been told off twice. Robin Zretzi, Grace Steinmetz, and of course our gorgeous Ruby Tui. Ah, Ruby Tui. So, Aroha, would you have any thoughts on that? The first thing that comes to mind there is uh, the captain that took them to the UK, Les Elder. Her name is not in that loose forward mix, not in that squad at all. And the captain, I'm told, is Ruahe de Mont. Ruahe de Mont. So that's a big change for a start. I'm still trying to digest it. There are a lot of players who I need to Google, and there are players who I'm very... Um, I'm, I know their names, I've said their names, I'm, I watched them play and I've cheered for them. But there are also people whose um, history in terms, especially in terms of New Zealand representation, I'm not familiar with yet because I don't get to watch as much Black Ferns rugby as I would like to, which I suppose is another reason for bolstering the women's game so that we do have the same level of familiarity with you know, our half-backs, inside-backs, outside-backs as we do with the All-Blacks. Mm. It'll be interesting to see now what uh, Wayne Smith will do with it. He confessed to us, Aroa, on the show that he hadn't met some of these girls. I mean, that's how raw he was going into the squad and taking over the head coaching role. Had to introduce himself to a number of squad members here, let alone get stuck into the tactics and the planning side of it. Uh, It also should be emphasised too that this is not the World Cup squad. This is the squad for the initial round of games that are coming up, uh, those games that are so valuable to their build-up. And there are, of course, sevens players, the likes of Sarah Hurani, uh, to come back into line, Araha. And I think when I looked at how big the squad was, I forgot that part first. I forgot about that that um, building and rebuilding and feeling out stage that you have. Just like, just like any side before you're going to a World Cup, you have the big squad at home before you need to, well, and usually you'd take them overseas, but of course it's, it's here this year, so um, the big squad to be whittled down. But how cool is it that you get to, as a Black Ferns player, get to shake the hand of your coach and it's Wayne Smith? How cool. Absolutely how Thank cool, you. I mean, and how, reassur- how reassuring. Uh, Aroha, thank you very much for the team naming. Uh, and your input there. We'll have more on that uh, throughout the morning, and I'm sure Mark Stafford will too after 12 o'clock this afternoon. 10.51 here, though, on SENZ. Laris Dealer today. Summer or winter, he's the voice of sport in Aotearoa. This is Mornings with Ian Smith on SENZ. The loveracing.nz update. Your home for everything thoroughbred racing. Visit loveracing.nz. Racing's biggest fan. Joined by Louis Herman Watt, uh, my friend from uh, The Breakfast Show. Gee, you had some royalty in there this morning, my friend. Uh, what a fantastic show that was as well. Uh, and there's a bit of a racing show at Ruakaka today where the turf meets the surf. 
Yeah, that's uh, Louis Herman Weasel to you, Smith. You get it right. Um, and you're right. There is a, a nice nice day in the winterless north at Rua, Rua Kaka. And um, look, there's a couple. You always want to watch the market movers. And as you actually have said quite often, Smith, you want to follow the locals. Race three, look, it's a tough meeting today. I'm being brutally honest there. Even fields, if you make a buck, good on you. Uh, race three, I thought Eve Song was ready to win. Master Hashizumi doing the riding for Chris Gibbs. But Gibbsy, he's got another one. Chris Gibbs has another one in that race. Narant, Narantz. And uh, that's about taking the money. 423.83.60. And that's in the Sepita Valor Colors. So you might want to watch that. The other horse I was half interested in today was Hail Damage going up against Salva Verde in race number six. Salva Verde for Nick Bashara being very consistent. Hail Damage, though, with the claim of Alan Nicholas, who is a good apprentice jockey. Fives into 4.8 into 4.5 now uh, for Sean Ritchie and Murray. And you can follow the cash out of that stable from time to time. So the other the two I'd be looking at. It should be a nice day up there. Uh, soft five is currently what they've got the track rated at, so that's formerly the dead five. Cloudy, it's never that bad at Ruakaka, and it is a beautiful track. I don't know if you've ever been up there, Smithy. I have indeed. I visited there on at least three occasions. In fact, on one occasion, took the boat. Took the boat from Auckland Harbour. Wow, a must be nice. All the way up and on the way back. What a fantastic day and Quite a big night out that was, Louis. We'll talk about that more privately over a uh, over a sherbet or two. But anyway, hey, thanks for your time this morning. Look forward to your show tomorrow morning. Uh, as always, Cheers high quality, the- lot of entertainment. Uh, Pip Morris uh, from uh, the TAB joins us. Uh, Pip, good morning to you. Greyhounds today, 12 races coming in from Palmerston North, first at midday. Good morning, Sylvia. It certainly is. It looks like a favourite day across the program, but I quite like race number five, a high view Jess. She's jumping back from 4.57. She's got exceptional early speed. And I think the three or really suit her. She's around 2.70 keen on her. And then the sports side of things, well, we've got the playoffs again for the basketball. There's been a couple of big bets there. $3,127 on the Bucks head-to-head at 2.40. And $1,000 on Boston head-to-head at $1.53. And another bet around 2734 on the Boston Celtics. Head to head, total points over 209.5 double at 220. And don't forget about the same game claim on both the basketball and the NRL. Place a three leg or more multi. And if you miss by one leg, you can get that bonus set up to $50. So not only racing to look forward to today, but first on the basketball side as well today. Absolutely. Uh, Pip, thank you very much for your uh, time this morning. And good luck with those favourites at uh, the Palmerston North Greyhound track. Uh, beginning, yes, uh, 12 races beginning at midday. Uh, so there you go. Uh, it's coming up uh, to 11 o'clock here, and uh, after uh, 11, we go very passionate. We go inside the home of Liverpool football here in New Zealand. Yes, Arawa with the news. Your local Polaris dealer today. From behind the stumps to behind the mic, nothing gets past Smithy. This is Mornings with Ian Smith on SENZ. Salah. Fabinho's got some space, he's got three up there with him and he squeezes it through the ledge yes for Liverpool, another goal for Fabinho and the substitutes pour onto the pitch to celebrate Liverpool back in front on aggregate still trailing on the night look at the celebrations from the Liverpool supporters terrible error from the goalkeeper but Fabinho doesn't care about that eight goals now this season and that one's more important than any of them 
Yeah, credit to Spark Sport there. Uh, they showed uh, the Champions League match this morning between the Villarreal and uh, Liverpool. Uh, Fabinho getting uh, that all-important goal. Uh, they still trailed at that point uh, 2-1 Liverpool, but they had goals from Diaz and Mane in the second half, which uh, gave them a victory 3-2. Uh, but it would have been nerve-wracking stuff uh, in the Liverpool camp and uh, certainly fans throughout the world, which includes uh, a group here in New Zealand. It's pretty hard to be a football fan uh, for a European side supporter so far away from home because most matches are either in the middle of the night or very early in the morning and uh, I can assure you uh, I've tried to follow Tottenham which is exceedingly frustrating. Ricardo Ball of course frustrating too watching Manchester United at the moment but one bloke who's very very happy as we speak uh, is the Liverpool Supporters Club of New Zealand official treasurer uh, Peter Carroll. Peter good morning to you uh, I bet at halftime you were just a little bit worried this morning. Um, yeah, yeah, it was a uh, it was a hard ha- half to watch. To be honest, it was uh, I thought it might not go away, but it was you know I've seen them play bad halves. I've never seen them play two bad halves in a row. So I was nervous but not panicking. So unlike a lot down at the uh, Paddington down there, a lot of were, there was a lot of panic going on. But I kind of thought that they would they'd come right. How big's the following here uh, in your base, in Auckland in particular? You know, it's got to be the biggest supporters club by a long way. We've got, uh, in the official supporters club, we have, uh, with New Zealand wide, but we've got about 700 in Auckland and maybe another 300 around the country. Uh, the official supporters, then on Facebook, we've probably got another three to 4,000 who follow it on Facebook. And, uh, you know, there's, there's a, that's a drop in the bucket. It's, it's an incredible following. Okay, so uh, now, of course, having got through, they've got you've got past Villarreal. They've had a hell of a season themselves. I think it's fair to be uh, fair to be said. But uh, now you either face Manchester City or Real Madrid in the Champions League final, and you're on track mm-hmm. uh, for an unprecedented uh, quadruple at this point. Um, yeah, I tell you, what, I don't know how the players do it, but it's exhausting just being a fan of, uh, of Liverpool this season. So, um, as you said, getting up in the middle of the night, it's. Um, it's tough work, but it's um, yeah. I mean, it's. I, I don't think we'll probably appreciate how good the season is until you know maybe it's over or you look back. But um, but it has been just it's unprecedented, and and it's still you know it's still a lot to do. But um, and he'd be happy with two trophies. But going for four at this stage of the season is it, it's it's just I've never never had that in my lifetime, and I've been you know supporting them for fifty years or something. So you know. Um, yeah, it is. It's incredible. So, Peter, uh, just tell me this. In your history of watching them for 50 years, is this the best yeah. team that they've ever put down? I mean, my knowledge of Liverpool goes way, way back uh, to the likes of Ray yeah. Clements, way back there when he was a custodian, all those yeah. great players in front of him. I, I just wonder, yeah. in your eyes, is, it, is this the best team? It's got to be. I, it's got to be close to it. I mean, it, it's obviously, as we all know, we're trying to compare different eras and and uh you know the team of the late 70s was was amazing and that was probably the first you know mid 70s to late 70s was that was the first really great team um the 80s was great but i think i think this one for if it can achieve this then you'd have to say yeah based on um you know the fact the way that it's it's just so for the last three four years just the intensity that the team plays at and and the excellence every single week you'd say it would it would have to be very close to being the best ever and so that makes, uh, I would think, Jurgen Klopp right up there in terms of the great managers. And you go way back to the likes of Shankly and Paisley and, uh, yeah. and, uh, and that kind of group, that, that ilk of, of managers, when managers, uh, English-based managers or UK-based managers 
were the fashion, not so much the day, these days now. Uh, but they were legends, those blokes. And now Klopp, uh, having extended his contract as well, uh, goes into that category, surely. Oh, uh, I think he's, he's already there. I mean, you know, having, having won the first the Champions League and, and then the Premier League, and the Premier League winning that the first time was, was like the holy grail for, for us because um, it had been so long. But, you know, he didn't even have to do this. He was already, uh, he was already in that pantheon of, you know, of greatness. But to do this now is, is it, it is incredible, and he'll go down as certainly, you know. I mean, yes, Shankly and Paisley were the first two, um, you know, but he's he's certainly got to be up there. But as said before, it's very hard to compare. You know that they, the the, um, the game has evolved so much, and um, so you know those guys would would be completely completely different game. It was sort of almost a, you know, almost amateur back then versus versus what it's like now. But he's just taken it to a to a whole new level. Him and him and Guardiola, I think, are just on a different plane to anybody else in the game at the moment. So it's just lucky we we've got him. It's always quite interesting to ask uh, New Zealand, and clearly New Zealand accent coming through there, obviously with, when you ask uh, people from Liverpool, you can tell exactly why they are Liverpool fans, because it's been in the family for forever, and it's just tradition, really, it just has to happen, but uh, how did you become such a, an avid Liverpool supporter? I was actually born in Liverpool myself, so um, for the same reason, I came out here when I was young, so... Uh, so I'm I'm a Kiwi sort of you know 95 percent of the time and I uh, switch back to being from Liverpool when uh, when when they're playing. So um, but you know yeah so I grew up with it from you know from the very we we came out here when I was about four or five and and that's all I knew. Grew up growing growing up with Liverpool. But having said that, my brother and father are both Evertonians, so um, I'm a bit of a black sheep. So uh, obviously the the one with a good judge of character though. Well, we'll get to that very shortly. The other side of the Mersey, <laughs> but. Uh... Uh, let's uh, talk about what's what's coming up. Uh, more importantly, too, uh, aside from the Champions League final, uh, the FA Cup final against Chelsea, May the fifteenth. Um, that was yeah. an interesting one because uh, Chelsea will look to spoil that party that you guys are lining up. Uh, that will be a, a really good matchup. How do you see that going? I see that Chelsea are a hard team to beat, um, very hard, and um, you know I think they're they're very very good. They're they're a great team. They're also very good at uh, very technically. Smart. They they're good at stopping stopping other teams playing, as as they we saw in the Champions League final last year. So, you know, any of these games can go can go either way now. And, and whoever we get in the Champions League final as well will be it, it's a nothing's a given. So I, I mean I think it'll be a, a low scoring game, and um, I wouldn't even be surprised if that went to penalties. But uh, you know I still got to back us to, to to sneak through it. But it'll be it'll be tough. So what kind of arrangements does uh, the Liverpool Supporters Club, New Zealand-based, um, have for uh, like an FA Cup final? Do you ever get together for that? Yeah, we, we get together for all the major games. We, we, we always go to the Paddington Pub in Parnell. Um, we've been, that's been our home ground for probably the last 10 years now. So uh, whenever the licensing laws are, are um, you know, permit, we're down there. So for the final, however, they can't open. So this year we're going to the Fox, Fox Tavern. And, um, and down in the viaduct, I think we've, um, I think we'll probably have about 90% of the uh, tickets, I would imagine. It'll be, there might be a few blues in there, but it's going to be um, pretty much sold out with red, I'd say. And then the Champions League will be back at, um, we'll be back at the Paddington. And again, that'll be, I've had a tidal wave this morning of, of ticket requests already, so, so yeah, it's going to be a busy time. <laughs> 
It is going to be a busy time. Good for the Treasurer, though. Plenty of money coming in. Um, uh, Peter, here's uh, the other thing to look at, too, of course, is the EPL, the Premiership. Uh, four games yeah. to go, neck and neck. It's been a great competition. Looked like Manchester City were running away with it. Liverpool have actually uh, added some interest to it with the way they've come back at them. They've got Spurs on Sunday. Spurs are the hottest or coldest team in the league every single year. Um, <laughs> what about that matchup and, and those games coming, the crucial games coming in the last four? Uh, yeah, look, Spurs, Spurs on their day can be uh, can be very dangerous. And I mean, at the moment, Son's looking like he's a he's a world beater. So um, you know, I'm certainly worried about that. And said every every game is every team is looking to not 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 Liverpool over. So um, you know, but the, the amazing thing about about this Liverpool team is they just they just keep going and and um, you know they somehow scrape it out and whether they. If they turn really turn it on, I think um, you know they they'll they'll put Tottenham aside. And I'm sorry to say that I know you're a, you're a Spurs supporter, but um, you know mm. it's uh, I, I think if if Liverpool play well as they can, they'll they'll roll over anybody. But you know sometimes it's a matter of just sort of trying to grind it out. And and if Liverpool are a bit off and and Spurs have a good day, then yeah, it's going to be it's um you know you could certainly see Spurs getting something from that. I can see Liverpool winning the rest of them, but um, you know, unfortunately, I can. Uh, it's hard to see City dropping too many points between now and the end of the season as well. So, I think it's um, you know it's going to go down to the wire. Yeah, it absolutely is one of the classics. I think. Meanwhile, yeah. at the other end of the table, you've mentioned uh, your dad, your brother, etc. They're Evertonians as such, uh, and for the first time in around fifty-nine years, they are under threat of leaving. Uh, the uh, EPL uh, or the Premier Division of News of English Football. Now, I, I just wonder: is the rivalry as deep as uh, we're led to believe um, between uh, Liverpool and Everton? And how significant would that be? Um, well, it'd be it'd be very significant. But it, you know, uh, I mean, I think that it's funny with with the Liverpool Everton. You know, I mean, I grew up, you know, um, watching Everton as well, and they had a wonderful team in the eighties, and and. Uh, you know, so I was, had a bit of a soft spot. I, I never really had any of the real sort of, um, you know, bitterness towards them. But you know, I, th- I think lately it's become less, uh, less of a friendly rivalry, and, and there is a bit more, bit more of an intense rivalry there. Um, but I think it's probably more Evertonians hating Liverpool and versus versus the other way around. So uh, I, I'd certainly be be sorry to see them go. I think that the derby was a, a great result, but. Um, you know, maybe they need maybe you know, need to go down and do some rebuilding. But having said that, I don't think they will. I think they'll still get it. I think they'll just scrape up. I think they almost went down about 20 years ago as well. And the last game or game of the season, they managed to save themselves. So I think it'll it'll be close. But yeah, I'm still I'm still thinking they'll um you know they'll save themselves somehow. Who would you rather play in the Champions League final, Man City or Real Madrid? Ooh, um. Actually, already got asked this today. My brother asked me. Um, I don't know. I'm I'm thinking Real Madrid. I think I think City. Uh, I think you know they're probably the two best teams in the world at the moment, are Liverpool and City. And so City know, um, you know, their dark game. If they they turn it on, they can beat. But but having said that, I mean, uh, so I think we'd have a better chance at Real Madrid. But having said that, Real Madrid have that look about them this year where they just sort of, you know, they get outplayed and seem to win matches, and and that often. Uh, Often results, they end up winning winning the cups. So, uh, um, yeah, I'm 50-50, but I, I would say Real Madrid. I'd, I'll, I'd rather have them win it.
Okay, Pete. Well, just to, just to show you what a great uh, supporter I am and uh, how I appreciate what you're doing, even though I am a Spurs supporter, <laughs> I don't wish you the best this weekend. I'm going to say thank you very much to you for your contribution this morning. Congratulations on getting through, and we'll just give you a little thank taste you. of something just to say goodbye. Here you go. Thanks, Ed. All the best. And the sweet silver song of dealer today. Summer or winter, he's the voice of sport in Aotearoa. This is Mornings with Ian Smith on SENZ. Yes, it's time to go around the world here on SNZ Mornings with Ian Smith and producer Logan Smithy. Before we get into a very quick announcement, uh, the winner of Talk Back Time with Smithy and the $50 Chemist Warehouse uh, voucher goes to Jeff the Ref for his contributions to the show today. Totally concur with that. Uh, all the other people that called in, uh, Zaid in particular and Dino from Dunedin. Dino, it's a dollar one in shortening that you're going to win it uh, one of these mornings, so carry on uh, ringing through with those great points of view. In fact, that incorporates everyone as well, including you, Frazy, who's just texted in. Frazy has just texted in and said, let me know when that song finished so I can turn the radio back on. <laughs> Go Spurs. Go Spurs. That's from Frazy. So you're welcome to dial in at any time, uh, 0800 150 811, Frazy. And chew the fat. I might even give you a chemist warehouse voucher because you are a Spurs supporter. I digress. 
Uh, Logan, let's get back to those headlines from around <laughs> yeah. the world. Shall we? Great text this morning, the online Tampa Bear Post, our text machine, Smithy. Uh, a couple of quick updates around uh, playoffs going on. Uh, Alex Ovechkin, uh, the Washington Capitals star, will be on the ice for game one of their matchup with the uh, Florida Panthers. That starts very shortly, actually, at 11.30 a.m. Our time. Uh, he set out the final three games of the regular season with an upper body injury suffered when he tripped over uh, the stick of uh, Maple Leafs goalie Eric Calgreen on April 24th. He's in his entire career, Smithy. He's only missed 27 games over 17 years and has never missed a playoff game. Okay. That's interesting. That is longevity in a very bruising sport, I've got to say. Oh, yeah. That's off to him. Speaking of bruising and physicality, uh, the Golden State Warriors, they're going up against the uh, Memphis Grizzlies at 1.30pm today, New Zealand time. They're preparing for Game 2 there. And one uh, particular aspect of that game they're bracing for is physicality. Uh, Coach Steve Kerr said after their latest shoot-around, it'll be the most physical game we play all year. The Grizzlies are a team that creates some of its best offense through forcing turnovers and gathering rebounds. Uh, which sounds like it could be disastrous for the Warriors, writes Kendra Andrews from ESPN. But in Game 1, the Warriors were the winners on the glass, out-rebounding Memphis 51-47. Now we think about physicality, Smithy, and we think about the Memphis Grizzlies, and we wonder, where is Stephen Adams in that mix? Now he... Uh, they're hoping that he can return from COVID protocol as soon as possible and uh, start providing some of that physicality to their lineup because, uh, of course, we want to see another matchup against Draymond Green. I just want to see him punch Draymond Green right on the snores. And if it, <laughs> it means it, it's going to cost them five or six games. Um, and, you know, to be honest, I just like Draymond Green, one of those. Oh, jeez. My nose, I'll tell you that. Anyway, just moving along, we should get along to the next headline. Come on back, Stephen, and just give him one for us. Oh, uh, right, yeah. Moving along. That would be great. That would be great. Uh, going across the ditch for this last one, Smithy. Uh, Trent Barrett, coach of the uh, Canterbury Bulldogs. Of course, uh, we all know last week that Phil Gould took over a training there. Uh, Trent Barrett talking with uh, Afternoons with Jimmy Smith on SEN on how that went down and his thoughts on it. You know, you're always trying different things and, and looking at different ways to to motivate players or to, to give them a different look at some things. And, and there was some benchmarks or some, I guess, KPIs, I guess, for some individuals that we wanted to get across to the players. And we've done that probably the last two or three weeks. And, you know, we had a little bit of fun with it. And Gus, Gus did a good job. We've, you know, it, it's important. We're, you know, we're all in this together. And I said over the weekend, I, I'm certainly not too proud to ask for help at times and if it means getting a, an outside voice in well you know I'd be silly not to and Gus has been really good he wants to win as well and you know we got a reaction out of the players it's it's up to us to back it up now again on, on um, Friday against Canberra. Great words from the coach there and off the back of that Smithy rugby league greats uh, Billy Slater and Paul Gallon have both come out lauding the maturity shown by Chen by Trent Barrett that he showed no ego when he allowed Phil Gould to take over there. Hasn't the world changed though, Logan? Has the world not changed? Did I hear him talking about KPIs and league? <laughs> did I? Did I hear you him did. say KPIs and league? You did. Rugby league? KPIs? Okay. Rightio. I just had to listen to it twice. I really just couldn't quite work through that. Uh, all right, let's... Let's, thanks for those headlines. Let's let's uh, get to uh, some of the texts, and there's plenty of them coming in. Uh, Chris has come in and said, "Is Kennedy Simon loose forward there from Waikato?" No, Chris, not in that squad that that I can see. Um, Dale has come in and said, uh, "Smithy Re Walsh," uh, and that is Reese Walsh. 
uh, in terms of a signing, they're always staying till the release is officially announced. That's what Dale says. So very sceptical about the fact that he's going to stay uh, with uh, the Warriors uh, and his intention to say 100% going to be in New Zealand next year. Uh, England at home, uh, also from Chris, also uh, might be a different Chris. Has, uh, England at home is totally different to when they tour. It won't be easy for the Black Caps. You read it, it will not. And they are seriously hurting. And the best place to uh, fix those problems is at home. I'll get Anderson and Broad back. The juke ball will be swinging around. And uh, at the moment, uh, I wouldn't be putting my money on either side. That is going to be one hell of an even test series. Uh, Smithy uh, Mike comes in and says, I believe Sparks Board have the Women's Rugby World Cup and also the Black Caps Tour to the UK, which I thought would be with Sky, as uh, they don't have the ICO games. Uh, lovely show. Thank, well, thanks, Mike. Uh, yeah, the truth is uh, absolutely what you say. Uh, they do uh, have the Women's Rugby World Cup and the Black Caps Tour to the UK. In fact, they own all the cricket rights coming out of the UK. Sky have got pretty much uh, all the rest of them. Uh, but they do have those uh, rights coming in. So, uh, yeah, uh, you're absolutely spot on there. Um, and uh, Duncan comes in uh, and says, sorry for the long text, Duncan. This is not a long one. You should see some of the long ones. Hey, Smithy, love your show. Been listening all week. I think it's time that the Rugby Union front on your show and just talk about the game. We all really care about how uh, we all know there are problems. We just want to know what they're doing about it. Saying nothing is a bad look. Also a massive Aston Villa fan. Claret and Blue from 1982. Aston Villa. The Villa, right? Villa Park. Drove past that a lot. On my way into Birmingham. On the way to Edge Baston. Never forget it. Uh, and uh, also uh, coming in from uh, Whopper. Just to finish off his text this morning. Yep. Uh, those uh, Taranaki Bulls games will be at Pukakura Park. Get in and get your tickets quick. Uh, who is the new White Ferns coach, Smithy? Have no idea. Whopper. Absolutely no idea. And yes, you are right. Commonwealth Games are soon. I would be expecting an announcement pretty quick smart. It is 11.30 here on SENZ, 0800 150 811, 0800 150 uh, I believe we're playing for, is it the 100 or the 50 bucks this morning? It's $100 from uh, the TAB this morning. Good luck with that. And if you get the third question right, you get the sleep drops as well. Please dial up, folks. Get on the line now and have a crack at Stumping Smithy. Ian Smith's had a good match here. Stumped by Smithy. Ian Smith really is top class at his job. All right, pad up and grab your bat, folks. It's time to get stumped on SNZ Mornings with Ian Smith. And as Smithy so rightly put before, up for grabs today, $100 TAB bonus bet from the jackpot yesterday, plus some sleep drops, daytime revive, try New Zealand sleep drops for all ages, lifestyle stages, and sleeping challenges. Always read the label and take as directed. Check out sleepdrops.co.nz. And Smithy joining us at the crease. First up, we have Barry from Pukakoi. Come in, mate. How are, you? How are you doing, guys? Yeah, good on you, Barry. Good morning to you. I hope you've got uh, a decent-sized wide bat on uh, today and you've got your spikes on because if you slip out of the crease, you're gone, brother. <laughs> you're absolutely gone. I'm on fire. So uh, what, are we, uh, what, are we, what are we playing and talking about or guessing about today, Logan? Uh, well, today's topics, Smithy, are netball, basketball, and one of very close to your heart, cricket. Barry, how do you like your chances, mate? Which one are you picking? Well, I don't like my chances at all, but um, uh, well, let's go cricket. Let's let's go down. So if I get stumped, hopefully he'll stump someone else and it'll jackpot tomorrow. 
Oh. Okay. I, I like the strategy. Here we go. Shout out to uh, panelist Brian here for these questions. First up, Barry, recently retired Black Caps great Ross Taylor jointly holds the record for most tests played with fellow legend Daniel Vittori. Who is third on that test list? Ooh. Um, I'll go Stephen Fleming. Just a couple of chips down the wicket. Right in the slot, and away it goes. That's one boundary, Smithy. All over that. Absolutely all over that. Yep, Glenn. Um, he is, uh, is third there, and um, I wonder if Kane Williamson, I always wonder about just how long Kane Williamson will go if he'll get up to that magic number that those two have achieved. But however, uh, that's one. One to Barry. Yep, and all three of them absolute great legends of the sport. Second question for you, Barry. The New Zealand cricket team played their inaugural test against England in Christchurch, making them the fifth nation to play test cricket. And what year was that match? Oh, good Lord. Um, I wouldn't have a clue. I, I'm just going to have a guess and go, oh, would it have been before the wars, after wars? Uh, 1936. One of the worst things I have ever seen done on a cricket field. Oh, Smithy, how you like? What's your uh, cricket history like around here? Well, I'm not too good. I don't go far back. I know the 49ers uh, went to England, captained by uh, the legendary Walter Hadley, um, and I'm thinking that we clearly we played before that. Uh, I'm not sure we played pre-war. I'm really not. I remember the first opening partnership was uh, Stewie Dempster and Jack Mills, I think. So, uh, uh, if it's pre-war, um, I don't. Coach Dempster. I'm going to say 1937. One of the worst things I have ever seen done on a cricket field. Oh, mate, you're both close. You're both close, Smithy and uh, Barry. It was 1930. Oh, right. Okay. Uh, but, but later, but earlier uh, than I thought, to be fair. That's all right. Last question. Everything's still on the line. Enough for grabs for you, Barry. <laughs> this last question, though, we'll see how you go. Our very own Ian Smith made his test debut against Australia in Brisbane in 1980. Batting at number seven, he was caught in the field by Kim Hughes, who bowled the ball. <laughs> oh, yeah. oh, and, and Smithy won't know this, of course. Um, <laughs> Smithy's battling. I don't, I, don't, I don't. God, Smithy is battling. I, um, yeah. You'll always remember the first your first time you got out in a test match, Smithy. I'd, I'd say it's around Merv Hughes and all them. If Kim Hughes caught it, I'll say Merv Hughes. One of the worst things I have ever seen <laughs> done on a cricket field. Smithy. Right, OK. I remember that bowling attack because I remember uh, Len Pascoe gave me an absolute serve by, before I even took strike. Um, I think Jeff Lawson <laughs> made his debut in that test as well. But I also believe, and uh, I also believe it's neither of those two I'm going to say it was the great Dennis Lilly. Just a couple of chips down the wicket, right in the slot, and away it goes. Oh, how far did you have to uh, search in the memory banks for that one, Smithy? <laughs> well, well, I did actually, because I got out tr- very cheaply, both it's a test match I don't like to remember, because we were beaten in three days as well. But I think I cut one to point, and I was caught by Kim Hughes at point off the bowling of Dennis Lilly. So, uh, sorry about that, Barry. 
Oh, I'm really sorry. No uh, you, you, you nearly got there, mate, but you did right. I did stump, stump somebody in the end. It was you. Um, so unfortunately, <laughs> you, you will not get you will not get the sleep drops. But you do have the opportunity, folks, to play for 150 bucks same time tomorrow morning. 150 dollars plus the sleep drops. The pot is building nicely for the weekend. It's 11:38 here on SENZ. When we come back, we will have our Bailey's property of the week. Summer or winter, he's the voice of sport in Aotearoa. This is Mornings with Ian Smith on SENZ. It is 11.43 here on SENZ, uh, and today being Wednesday, it's time to uh, highlight our Bailey's property of the week. And today's uh, Bailey property of the week is uh, a rare gem located just 25 kilometres from Gisborne City on the open market for the first time in over 100 years. It is being marketed by the highly experienced duo of Stephen Thompson and Simon Boosfield of Bailey's in Gisborne. Situated at 218 Pakafai Road at Murawai, Hinanui is made up of 223 hectares, including 20 hectares of flats, with most of the property being medium hill country. Most paddocks feed the main laneway, allowing easy access of stock flows to and from facilities. This exceptionally well-presented property includes a modernised four-bedroom and two-bathroom home, perfectly set up for entertaining guests. Quality infrastructure surrounds the farm with a three-stand wool shed, covered yards, cattle yards with a covered race, and various implement sheds, along with a reticulated water system for the flats. Hinanui presents an exciting chance for a first farm an additional property to an existing business or the perfect property for combining a passion for farming and living rurally, all while working off-farm. Prospective buyers will be pleased to hear that the tender for this property has been extended to 4pm yep, 4 p.m. on Thursday the 12th of May. To make Hinanui your home, visit baileys.co.nz forward slash 275-2550, that's Bailey's dot co dot nz forward slash two seven five two five five zero or ring direct Stephen Thompson or Simon Boosfield or both at Bailey's in Gisborne. That is our Bailey's property of the week. More texts that have come in as well uh, this morning. Uh, hi Smithy, uh, this is from Jared. Well done, Reese Walsh. Mature decision on the back of what happened end of uh, season last year, and his reputation will be better for it. Uh, if not to mention his game, will benefit too, I'm sure. Applause from the fans. And uh, that's to be actually uh, brought into account here. And uh, if Reese Walsh remembers way back, uh, the Warriors were so supportive of him when he had that issue with the drugs in the nightclub or just outside the nightclub, didn't they? I mean, they were, Cameron George and co. absolutely handled it perfectly on his behalf. And I think he did owe, he does owe uh, the Warriors a bit of something about that. Whether at the end of the day... Um, those kind of uh, thoughts and those uh, values are reflected in his final decision. I do not know, uh, but certainly uh, you bring up a, a really good point there, Jared. Thanks for that. Uh, enjoy hearing from you in particular, uh, and particularly on the radio too. Don't forget uh, tomorrow uh, on the phone you can uh, dial us at 0800 150 811, and uh, we'll be uh, getting rid of another chemist uh, warehouse voucher. Uh, that'll be uh, around about uh, 9.30, so... Uh, if you've got something, you got something you want to uh, vent your spleen on, by all means, please do that. We'll come up with a couple of topics tomorrow morning 
Uh, but certainly we would love to hear from you and make it a really regular thing. Uh, someone else has come in and said, uh, Morning, Mr. Smith. Uh, that's very polite. Uh, obviously you don't know me very well. Totally agree with you regarding Dougie Bracewell. What does he have to do? May the force be with you. Cheers, Steels. Uh, Steels, I don't know what Doug Bracewell has to do. Um, he's just one of those uh, cricketers that just seems to miss the boat far too often for my liking. I will be honest with you and say that I know Doug Bracewell. and know him pretty well, actually. I know his family. Um, and he is, um, he's done really well. It's been uh, the odd time when it uh, hasn't gone well for Dougie and he's let himself down a wee bit. But uh, tell me a cricketer or a sportsman that doesn't happen to at some point in time. But he's recovered from those, matured a lot. Uh, he is part of the white ball setup. I will say that he is part of the white ball setup, and there is some white ball cricket to be played at the end of this three test series. And it might be of interest to uh, to uh, see if Doug Bracewell is included in that squad. Those squads, incidentally, will be named a little later on in the piece. So uh, closer to the time of departure, those white ball squads. If Doug Bracewell isn't in those, then it might hit the fan from this point of view, anyway. Uh, Jeff, congratulations, Jeff the Ref, who uh, of course uh, did win our Chemist Warehouse voucher this morning for fifty bucks. Uh, great to chat. He says uh, refereeing is a sport within a sport. Most refs think they are better than the other ref, and if they are ARs and think they should be in the middle refereeing the game, the support isn't as good or accurate as it should be at times at all levels. Example: two thousand and seven All Blacks versus France. Oh, that distresses me to hear that, actually, Jeff, because my understanding was that when they're out in the middle, they are a team. Uh, they operate as a team. To think there's any professional jealousy amongst that, I'm sure everyone wants to be the man in the middle, or do you? Uh, would, uh, is he more powerful than the, 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 uh, the TMO anyway? Um, a lot more pressure on the guy in the middle. He's got um, what, not only 80 minutes of it, had the other 20 on these days, uh, and he's the one under the most scrutiny. The ARs sort of get off quite lightly in that respect, so it's uh, an easier job. But uh, the ref is the ref is a ref after all. Um, so, yeah, uh, I understand that. Um, but I also, and I've made this point regularly throughout the show, do believe um, there is accountability more so than there used to be. Um, and uh, the reason why is because they get so much help to get it right these days, slow the game down in the process to do just that as well. So uh, thank you very much uh, for those texts today. Keep them uh, coming in on tomorrow. Ben Stokes... Uh, See that Ben Stokes is pretty happy to have uh, Anderson and Broad floating around uh, the playing 11. If they are fit, that is what he said. That's his first clear statement to the world of cricket. So I made it pretty clear to Rob Key, who's the ECB uh, managing director of the team. Uh, he's on the same wavelength as me. You pick your best 11 players. If Stuart Broad and James Anderson are fit, they are definitely part of that, Stokes told reporters. In a separate interview with Sky Sports, he said Anderson and Broad were two of the greats of the game and it would be stupid never to consider them for selection. So I think you can quite get the picture here that when it came to Shamozzle and the Ashes uh, recently in Australia, uh, when they continually left out Broad and Anderson and very seldom in that five-test series played them together, I think you can see in the background that Ben Stokes wasn't in agreement with that. It is 11.50 here. Uh, on SENZ and I can tell you right here and now through my camera I can see uh, Israel Dag studio in Christchurch and he's getting his windows cleaned. Who has a personal window cleaner? Who can afford a personal window cleaner? What kind of salary is SENZ paying him? For goodness sake, a bloke is cleaning his studio windows? Izzy Dag does, Smithy. Izzy Dag does. Oh my God, I 
just I can't believe I've said that. It's put me right off. Got to go to a break. We'll be Staffy. Staffy and I will consider that when we come back. Window cleaner, Israel Dag. I've seen it all now, folks. I have seen it all now. It's Ty Power's Big Footy final sale. To kick things off, you can get the power to buy three and get one free on selected Toyo passenger car and SUV tyres. Ty Power's Big Footy final sale can't last. Visit typower.com.au now.